HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following episode of A Taste of the Past has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, here on Heritage Radio Network. And tis the season to be jolly. We are in the throes of the holiday season here, and we and what else should we talk about but imbibing? But Imbibe was the title of his last book, and I'm very happy to have with me today David Wondrich, who has just published a new book called Punch. But we're not talking about punching. But we're not talking about punching, no. So we're going to talk about the history of punch and what do you call it, the um, the delights and the dangers of the flowing bowl? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, both well attested to. Uh, Dave is an award-winning journalist and author. Uh, he got the James Beard Award for his last book, Imbibe, and has accomplished all kinds of wonderful things in the world of mixology. I know you don't particularly care for the word mixologist. Oh, I, I actually like that do one. Do you? I thought you. I thought that was something you weren't, you know, you are, well, I know you're a doctor of English literature, but I call yeah. you the doctor of mixology. <laughs> I mean, you are the cocktail uh, master of all sorts. So, but um, well, thank you. the, um, this book is, is I particularly like this book because it does have such wonderful tales in it and and wonderful history, as well as recipes, which is you know for the for different punches, which well, is what, very make, nice. It makes history come alive. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I have to I have to start out here by reading the invocation. Okay. <laughs> now imagine a mixologist in the pulpit, right? <laughs> in the age of chaos. Long before the creation of the cocktail, spiritus and aqueous, thick and thin, sweet and sharp and unctuous were all tumbled together in the undifferentiated mass without form or order. Then from the east there rose a sun to dry the wet and distill the light from the heavy. And then all drinks began to know their proper kinds and submit to the willfulness of their doing, to the correction of just reason. That son had a name, and that name was 
punch. <laughs> wow. How did you come up with that? Now, is oh, that yours? That's is that, mine. Is yeah. that yours? That is a wonderful beginning to any book. <laughs> well, thank you. I was just, you know, I was playing around and I just had to, I'd been reading uh, some, I think I'd been reading Ovid's Metamorphoses, which more or less start like that. And, <laughs> right. and I just had to do it just because, uh, just for the fun of it, you know. Well, I always say this book is a delight and it is well, not quite as evangelical as the beginning is, but, <laughs> I, I, but it does, it does tone down a little bit, yeah. at least for much of it. Yes. So tell me what, what drove you to write about punch. Now I had you on a show, this show a year ago, we were talking about punch and the history of punch. Cause you've been talking about the history of punch for several years. Well, now. Well, you yeah. actually, you're one of the first people who, uh, who got me going on this for which I wish to thank you is, uh, for the culinary historians. The, for the, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. We did a big punch event and I went and got a bunch of Iraq from Germany and all this stuff. And it really, uh, the success of that helped uh, contribute to, uh, my deciding that I should really focus on this a little more. Well, you know, people always kind of recoil when you say punch because they think of those those sickeningly sweet things from bridal showers and oh, yeah. school dances and and mm. you know this is this is not fraternity what we're talking parties, about. Right. you know. This is not what we're talking about. Yeah, it, it 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 it's good name has gotten dragged through the dust, but it used to be originally it was a very simple drink that anyone could make. It didn't have all the fancy stuff in it, and at the same time it was made with good ingredients and natural ingredients. There were no canned ingredients or anything like that. There was no canned juices, no frozen lime slush or any of the stuff that people put in punch these days Uh, all that stuff didn't exist it was a very simple drink made out of citrus juice and uh, sugar and water and whatever spirits were available and a little bit of spice that was all there was to it well why the name punch do you know anything about the etymology of oh boy (laughs) (laughs) well the 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 standard story is it comes from the the hindi uh punch which which means five but uh, because it was made in India first. And you, you go and you dig through the old colonial sources of uh, the, the records of the British East India Company and the travel accounts of English travelers there, because everybody considered it an English drink back in the 1600s. And uh, you find that uh, there's only one guy who says that it's punch, the Indian uh, word. And he's reasoning by analogy from ancient Greek, an educated young doctor who spent you know, only a couple of months in India and really uh, just stated this as his opinion. It, there was no fact uh, that he based it on, but it got into the uh, sort of the, the literature and it became the standard explanation. But you look very hard and uh, there is no Indian drink made just like it. Hmm. Uh, even, you know, Indian scholars have looked and uh, there's I have a wonderful book by an Indian scholar on drinks of the Mughal Empire. And uh, there's there's no nothing like punch in there. So... I, I suspect it's the good old English word uh, punch uh, comes from punchin, which means a, a short squat barrel, and oh, that's what it was mixed uh-huh. in. So mm-hmm. that's that's that seems to be the best explanation. So. And of course, most people think it's because a drink that sneaks up at you and, <laughs> and, and punches fires you in the, a punch, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly, and punches you in the back of the head, which right. it which it will do. <laughs> well, now you you mentioned the 1600s, so so take us back and tell us a little bit about the the beginnings and the history of of what we know well, from punch. Like the history of all all mixed drinks are all really good ones. It's very murky. The memories were a little short. short. There's a lot of exaggeration and just making stuff up to cover the blackouts. So uh, we don't we don't know. Also, the the other what we do know is it uh, first appears among English sailors and merchants in uh, India and the East Indies, India, Indonesia, in those waters in the early 1600s. 
who invented it actually, we may never know. Many of those people had very short lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a dangerous trade and right. mortality was high. Uh, it's quite possible that everybody who invented it died before they could get their invention uh, acknowledged. But it, it spread virally among sailors. Uh, and, and and some of the earliest punches, I mean, in other words, why we think, well, to mask some of the harsh. Well, I think it was even more more time? desperate than that. Uh, English sailors uh, were allowed a gallon of beer a day in their ration. And it was actually a large gallon. It was five quarts because hmm. beer is foamy and nobody wants to pay for That's foam. Right. <laughs> so the beer, quart, the beer gallon was five quarts. And uh, by statute, uh, English sailors got that every day. What happened, unfortunately, when they started sailing into tropical waters is that beer, you know, it wasn't refrigerated or pasteurized, and it went off mm. instantly. And they complained bitterly. And then they drank uh, the gentleman's wine. Uh, the, the officers uh, drank wine on shipboard. Much of that went off, but what didn't go off was exhausted very quickly. And suddenly you had a boat full of English people with nothing alcoholic to drink. Uh-oh. And that's simply not tolerable. <laughs> right. So they had to improvise. And this really comes out of that, that encounter with the world. It's an improvisation. It's what you do to drink when you're 3,000 or 10,000 miles away from home. And uh, there's no wine or beer. You know, English. The English resisted drinking spirits recreationally up until the 1600s, which is kind of shocking. Everybody else in Northern Europe was boozing it up, hmm. uh, but the English were very conservative, and they looked at it as some strange foreign innovation that they didn't want to get to. Until they made punch, and what they did is they took the spirits and basically made wine out of them. You know, punch was around the strength of wine. It had some of the acidity of wine because of the citrus juice. Well, that, no, so, that, so that what designates a punch then? Uh, a punch is, is uh, spirits that have been diluted by water, sharpened by citrus fruit, uh, sweetened with sugar, and have a hint of spice. Uh, just a little bit. And, you know, most of the spices that they use would be nutmeg or cinnamon there's some other. So, yeah, cinnamon yeah. sometimes. Uh, there are a few exotic ones. Ambergris comes up, which the is. Unctuous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, that's some strange stuff. It's little. Uh, Lumps. It looks like uh, it looks like gravel, but it's uh, clotted whale cholesterol mm-hmm. that the whales expel, and then it tumbles through the oceans for months and months and gets purified. And what what, what kind of flavor does that? It's uh, it? it adds a perfumey flavor, very oh, very slight. It's not mm. it's not bad in any way. It's mm. used in perfumes mostly, but it is edible. Ambergris. Well, you see it. You see it written. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in great. It's I never very knew rare. What it was. I had, to, I had to get yeah. it uh, from New Zealand mm. at, at great expense. Huh. Uh, shipped, of course. Over the internet, you know? right. yes, right. Um, so, so the so the English then started making these punches, but they really didn't catch. They weren't that popular. I mean, it took a while to catch on in England. It caught on very fast in places where sailors went all the time. Uh-huh. It caught on in in, in uh, the Caribbean colonies because uh, the, they had the same problems with getting beer and wine there as as you had in India. You know, tropical countries, this stuff doesn't really work very well. And they had plenty of rum, so they drank that. Rum punches are still. Yeah, rum punch is the the American drink. It's what built the Americas. So uh, we had plenty of citrus and we had plenty of rum and plenty of sugar. Well, some of the the drinks that we read about, of course, in colonial American history... Um, flips and and syllabubs and things like that. Would those be considered punches? Oh, no. Punch was its own thing. It's like saying, you know, a martini is is a martini the same as a Manhattan. You know, they're not. They're Mm -hmm. different. Uh, Punch used to be just one drink, just like that. And then 
people started playing around with it and getting mixological. Yes, right. Uh, as they very do. strange, stra- very strange combination. Yeah, floating all kinds of things yeah, in it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, doing things like putting milk in it and letting the milk curdle and straining it out. Yeah. Which, uh, speaking of which, shall I... Uh, well, yeah, you've brought with you a, a special kind of punch. And uh, what is this? Tell us about this. I brought in, I brought some Norfolk milk punch, which is... Milk punch, milk but I don't punch. see any milk in there. Because uh, you put the milk in, into your punch, and the punch has acidity, and you put hot milk in, and uh, the milk reacts with the acidity and curdles. So like and the lactic looks, acid and... Yeah, the, and, and, and it the, looks and, disgusting. Yeah. You know, you get all the curds in there floating in there, and then you strain it out through a cheesecloth or a, n- a new pillowcase or a very, very clean T-shirt, if that's <laughs> yes, all you've got. Uh, anyway, something, some fine cloth, and uh, it gets rid of all the milk solids, and you get something that will keep indefinitely at cellar temperature, like wine. And it's and what we're seeing is a very light amber golden actually like a like a oak barreled chardonnay yeah or something. exactly very... or maybe, you know a very pale scotch uh, and this is made from this is made sugar from cane or... uh from rum and brandy are in here with uh uh i'm trying to remember this is two years old so oh. it's got uh seville oranges and lemons and lemon peel, lemon oil. And this is from, again? Uh, this is called Norfolk Milk Punch. Norfolk and, milk. and I, I, you know, I made this, I uh, used raw milk. And if you smell it. Uh, the brandy's coming through. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, it, and it's, it's just a beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful and perfectly how, and clear. how would this be served? Like, just exactly. You could we serve have it like it, this. We have it in a short uh, white wine glass. Yeah, you could serve it in a sherry glass as a liqueur after mm, dinner. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, yeah. as is straight out of the, the bottle, it's a little thick. Be- but you can also dilute it and add some soda to it or something like that. Well, let me taste. And Let's see taste. Tasting on the radio. Ooh, the citrus note. The, yeah. the very first tra- taste, you get those citrus notes come out instantly. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's a very mild, delicious it's, drink. It's a, it's a mild. This delicious is a drink. danger. This is a. Oh, it is. As, as with most punches, <laughs> this yeah. is this is a dangerous drink because it tastes so good. And it tastes mild, and yet you know that there's there's stuff it's, in there that's going to sneak well, up on you. Well, it's not right? as strong as a cocktail, I will yeah. say. Well, and that's interesting because that's something you that you said about um, in your book about punches that um, for a large gathering, for a party or something, punches actually because you usually have ice in it, mm-hmm. you know, to chill it, that they dilute by the end of the party. They so dilute that uh, the, the more intoxicated your guests get, the weaker it, their drink which gets. Which is a, a kind thing to it, do It to is them. a kind yes. thing. And yeah. they start off also, you know, you're, a, a well-made punch comes in at about the proof of, a, you know, it starts out at like the proof of a, a port or sherry, something like that, like a fortified wine. It's not as strong as a cocktail. So uh, you can... And you, and you drink it in much smaller cups also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the, the rationale between, behind using those ridiculous little cups is it stretches out your intake. So uh, punch is meant to be a social beverage. You're supposed to drink it over an evening with your friends. It's the kind of thing in the 18th century that would bring it out after dinner and put it on the table and everybody would share it for the rest of the evening. So it can't be too strong to begin with. Right. And you and and it if it gets weaker so much the better because the idea is to have many small cups every time you go back to the bowl, you meet somebody else there if you're circulating around a party, you have a different conversation. Uh 
Back in the day, they used to drink toasts, and you'd drain your little two-ounce glasses. So every it. time you had a toast to somebody else, another it was glass the, down. The Chinese banquets, yeah, exactly, right now. <laughs> exactly. But the because but the glasses were small, and the punch was not super intoxicating. So you could drink a number of toasts, and you could go home. Uh, you could actually walk home after drinking sixteen glasses of punch. Wow, which you couldn't do after drinking sixteen cocktails. No, At least for I sure, couldn't. for sure. <laughs> uh, um, well, I mean, in holiday time, it, it's the wassail bowl giving exactly. good cheer to everybody, exactly. right? And that was always a punch. Though. Uh, uh, and, and it works wonderfully for that. You know, it's it's a communal experience. And I, I see people making more and more punch these days, because uh, I think partly because uh, looking around modern American life, our communal experiences are vanishing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a, not a lot of, uh, of, of excuses to come together like that and share something. Well, now you've been doing the uh, the book tour and the book circuit on this book. What, as you travel around the country talking about punch... What what are some of the interesting comments or questions that you're getting? Anything in uh, particular? From the bartenders, they always uh, ask about spice because they want to put their own stamp on these recipes. Mm-hmm. So they want to use their own spice mixes, etc. So that's interesting. Um, from other people, uh, from from you know basically home entertainers, what spirits to use? There, there's a lot of anxiety about that, and also the people are worried about the cost, but. Uh, it can be expensive to make a big bowl of punch. You don't want to do it all the time. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, it's less expensive than stocking a whole bar and having everyone come over. So people, you find people are, in fact, receptive to the idea of punch. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah I, my Every uh, book uh, event I've done has had double the RSVPs come. <laughs> so people are definitely interested. Yeah, yeah. I think they're just bringing a friend. Everyone says, "Well, I'm going to bring a friend to this because." Well, certainly. I mean, it's it in this day and age of cocktails, which we'll talk about later. I mean, it it's, seems to be something people are not satisfied now just to have the ordinary bottle of wine. well, of course, a nice bottle of wine is always satisfying. But but it's more it's as you said, fun, more celebratory, more um, I don't know. Well, wine. You know, wine is 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 this amazing thing but it, it goes with food that's you know? right it's not it's not as as much of a recreational drink it doesn't have that sort of celebratory thing it goes in it's more of a gastronomical experience mm-hmm. you know i, I mean I, I look at i'm i'm half italian i look at wine as being a condiment as essential as salt <laughs> you know yeah. it's like wine goes with your meal right. and, and as, but something like punch is 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 a little uh a little more festive it may be less adapted to go with food although it goes great with little tidbits it's a wonderful thing with appetizers but it really is that has that germ of celebration within it well and there's so many marvelous accoutrements that you can you know the bowls and the cups and the ladles of course i've also had punch out of plastic old it doesn't matter what you make it in if it's a good punch (laughs) yeah so yeah, and you know if it's a bad punch it also doesn't matter what you make it in, you know <laughs> Well we're going to talk about some old recipes for punch as well as new recipes and maybe some coming trends when we come back after Great. this break
are back. Dangerous to go on a break with this milk punch in front of me. I don't know. <laughs> Sipping this between uh, between the segments here. So Fortunately, I didn't bring a big jug of it <laughs> because it would be empty. It is delicious. I was just commenting how the the citrus notes that are coming through are, are really the oils um, from like the orange from the peels. Well, one of the is- secrets of, of punch making that goes back to the 17th century is you extract the oil from the peels of the citrus before you add the juice. And the easiest way of doing it, I find, is to uh, peel your citrus with a you know swivel-bladed vegetable peeler and pound it with the sugar and let it sit for hours. Is that so muddling? So, yeah, muddling? exactly. You muddle it with the sugar and, you know, maybe one peel for every two ounces of sugar in the recipe. And you let it sit for, I don't know, an hour, two hours, three hours, however long you can wait. And uh, if the peels are good and fresh, uh, the sugar will wick out an enormous amount of bright, fresh citrus oil mm, mm-hmm. from the peels. Definitely. And it will the peels will shrink and become candied, and, and you'll get this uh, sugar slush that they used to call oleosaccharum, which is basically bad Latin for sugar oil. And that stuff is gold, you know, mm. because uh, the nature of punch is to be diluted. You want concentrated flavors to, to offset that dilution. And uh, that stuff is just the, the pure, sweet, concentrated essence of the, of, of the citrus. You can even leave out the juice uh, and, and just, and just use that, the, for, the, especially the for hot oil. punches. That yeah. works really well. Because you don't want the acidity, uh, you know, acidity. Uh, Hot orange juice, no. Not yeah, the, the corrosive effect of acids is yeah. increased by heat. And if you're drinking a lot of hot lemon punch, it really does a number on your throat. Interesting. It's, I mean, it's absolutely delicious. Well, talk to me a little bit about um, Eric. Iraq? Iraq. 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 I'm thinking which Eric? Yeah, A-R-R-A-C-K. Arak. Okay. Well, Iraq yeah. is an Arabic word for liquor. And... Uh, Everywhere where the Muslims went or uh, in their cultural cultural sort of sphere, it's the word for liquor. So there is no one kind of Iraq. Just like saying, oh, liquor, uh, you know, liquor can be scotch whiskey, it can be vodka. It doesn't. So it's the same. And the, the different Iraqs uh, in the Middle East, the one that we're probably most familiar with in New York, is uh, flavored with anise and, yeah. uh, and done like the same... As, as the anisettes you'll find in Spain and in the sambucas and the, and the uh, the pastis, you know that whole Mediterranean basis uh, spirit flavored with anise, slightly sweetened thing. So that's one style. Uh, then in uh, India, especially in southern India and in in Sri Lanka, you have a rock made from coconut sap, uh, from the sap of certain coconut palms that gives you palm wine, which ferments very rapidly and oh, is distilled to a low proof. That's almost unavailable in the U.S. You can get it occasionally. Uh, sometimes you also get a rock made from, uh, in, especially in Goa, which used to be a big distilling center. You get a rock made from cashew fruit, which is one of the uh, more challenging spirits wow. I've ever had. I have a bottle of it that uh, somebody brought me back from there that, that he's spent a good deal of time and tracking the down. The cashew fruit is what, the, the casing? That the, the casing, exactly. And it's it makes for a fairly... Uh, uh, foul, <laughs> I think is the word I'm looking for, spirit, but mm-hmm. not utterly unre- unredeemable. I've ha- I've had worse, uh, but it's also fascinating. You know, it's it was a big article of commerce for a while. Cashew Fenny, it's called. So there's that. Uh, the really the the important ones, though, uh, historically for making punch, were the coconut one and uh, a rock made from sugarcane which they made up in Bengal, and they still make rum up there, uh, mm-hmm. monk, Old Monk Rum. There's, that probably predates rum distilling in the Caribbean, this tradition. 
And also, uh, the, the, my favorite is Batavia Arak from uh, Indonesia, which is still distilled there by the overseas Chinese population who are not Muslim and therefore can distill. Hmm. And uh, it's a Dutch trade. The Dutch have been importing it uh, since... Now, how does the flavor of that... That's a root... So, it's, that's a, a, it's, a, it's a, essentially a rum, but it's a very, very funky and fragrant rum that's hmm. not very good for sipping. But it, uh, the thing about these pungent spirits is in a bowl of punch, they really come into their own. You want full-flavored spirits because you're going to dilute them. You don't want something that's sort of delicate and will get lost in the mix. Vodka punch is very dull. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, you just—it's there. Yeah, you, you, you taste the you juice. You know it's there, but yeah, but you, you taste, taste the juice, juice right? and you don't taste—you uh, don't have that synergy. But uh, you want things like cognacs, and uh, you can make great punch out of Scotch whiskey, which resists cocktail making, but it works wonderfully in punch. Oh, interesting! You yeah. can make uh, wonderful punches, you know, from from the funkiest rums, the rums that are almost you know too too insane to drink. Because uh, the water will cut the fieriness and and sort of dissipate some of the uh, the unpleasant aspects. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the intensity of the flavor will flavor the whole bowl. So you'll 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 be able to taste a little booze in there. You'll know that you're drinking booze, but it won't knock you out. Mm-hmm. At least not right away. Well, now what uh, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite recipe? Oh my punches. I mean, there are so many variations, <laughs> and it really is up in the hand to the hands of the person making the punch. Right? It, it I mean, is. So. It, it's a, it, it's there are a lot of variations, but the theme itself is very simple. And if I had to say a favorite, I would say I give a generic recipe for making punch. In the, uh, I have sort of three sections of the book. The first is history, the second is techniques and and uh, ingredients, and the third is individual punches and their stories. My favorite punch is the one in the second part of the book, the techniques one, where I give just a basic punch recipe. That's what I make all the time, and it, it always works. It's very simple. And that is? It's uh, one part sugar, one part citrus juice, and you do the trick with the, with the peels mm-hmm. uh, in the sugar. And then you add uh, four parts of spirits and four to six parts of water, mm-hmm. and that's it. What about, some you spice, know, some uh, nutmeg on top. Uh, and what about the addition of ice? Uh, well, that goes you know, obviously, it goes back to uh, to some degree. It doesn't. The earliest punches didn't have ice. Right. They didn't have ice in the uh, yeah. Not sailing around the Caribbean, they didn't, or or the Indian Ocean. Uh, but it goes back to the 1700s, uh, late 1700s. You start seeing more and more iced punch. Uh, I like to make big blocks of ice. That's the traditional way mm-hmm. to do it. Or you can make fancy a bo- shapes with flowers. And uh, <laughs> I, tr- I I've kind of uh, I'm on a doctrinaire. Uh, uh, let's say, mission to abolish punch garnish because it keeps people from making punch. They think, oh, I've got to make all this garnish yeah, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> got to be pretty. Or, I've got to strew... Or pom- harks back to the, yeah. uh, the bridal shower. Exactly. I've got to strew pomegranate <laughs> seeds all over the damn thing and, you know, slice this and that and kumquats here and, you know, cherimoya there or something. I don't know. It's whatever. Uh, I, I like to make them pretty pretty plain, but, you know... the. The other way is fine, too, if you, if you want to spend the time. I don't think it adds much, but it doesn't no. detract either. But as it dilutes, I mean, as you, so as yeah. you said before, as it dilutes, you know, the punch becomes more dilute. Exactly. Than you're not. So you and drink, drink it early in the evening. Yeah, right, exactly. And, then... and it, it keeps it cold and it slowly dilutes. I made punch the other night in a huge bowl of ice. 
so I didn't put any oh, ice in it. The, yeah. That works wonderfully well too. Oh, beautiful! And that's uh, it, it, it takes some management to get the bowl. You need a big block guess, of ice, yeah. and you know if you're skilled at carving ice, you can carve a bowl out of it, or else you can just get a big block and put a uh, stainless steel bowl full of boiling water on top and keep replenishing the boiling water, and it will. And that'll do eat, it. Yeah, it'll eat its way in, yeah. and then you'll have your ice bowl that works well uh if i'm serving punch as a sort of a welcome drink i'll use cubed ice that was the american way to make punch also mm. we, we uh our school of punches were very strong we didn't add a lot of water to them in the 19th century but they did fill the bowls with pieces of ice halfway before adding the punch and that will melt very fast and uh cool the so punch. The, so the, it was the ingredients were combined Prior, with the, prior yeah. with with the intention of exactly. being diluted with the cold, exactly. almost like a, a some peaty scotches wanting a little bit of water exactly there, to open right? it up. Yeah. So the the punch base was much stronger than than you would get in England, but the idea was you put it in a bowl half full of ice and it will melt most of it. You know, little broken up ice, uh-huh. and uh, you'll get something very cold and delightful very fast. And then strain fast. it out, and then or no, you just, serve, just you serve it and drink it fast. Oh, interesting. You know, yeah. uh, you, it's best to uh, make many small bowls than. Rather than you know one large one. Well, I think I think punch is a very exciting thing. Do you do you see it on the rise? I mean, oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, uh, the the whole cocktail revolution. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. We've seen this whole uh, oh, renaissance of of mixed drinks, the cocktail. It's right? amazing, and and you know it's it's taken off as a uh, you know as a home thing as well. But uh, home bartenders, when they're entertaining, and this time of year, people entertain a lot. Uh, they don't really. It, it can be a pain to be stuck behind the bar while your party is going yeah. and shaking up cocktails. So people have been latching onto this idea of I'll make a, a lovely bowl of punch and maybe I'll make a couple cocktails as well. But I'm not chained to the bar, so I can actually be be a host and I can circulate and talk to all my guests right. and uh, manage the party rather than being stuck there. Uh, making drinks for the few people who want 16 cocktails each. Exactly. And, and of course, now that we are more um, cocktail attuned and, and the, mm-hmm. as you say, the resurgence of, of mixed drinks, punch is not the bowl to avoid anymore if people know that it's being... No, know, if it's a good punch, yeah. you know, you make it... Uh, I see it, it... It's being used also in bars in, in lieu of bottle service, thank God. Oh, interesting. Which, you know, bottle service is pretty abominable. You get a, a bottle of vodka and a, a couple, like, sad little containers of juice and they basically say mix your own drink for $450 huh. for that for that money you might as well get a big bowl of punch and yeah. have something delicious yeah and oh, uh, interesting. I've, that's starting to pop up uh, quite all over so the place that, oh interesting so I mean you have really established quite a reputation over the past uh, 15 10 years 10 years, ten years. as uh, it, with cocktails and mixed drinks well the whole start with your Jerry Thomas um, all the research you're quite a historian I must say too. Well, thank you excellent very much restor- historian excellent writer but yeah you started mixing drinks for for different people and then got quite a reputation and you are on demand with a lot of restaurants as well and bars Right. Well, it's, so it's uh, uh, I'm, you know I've been very fortunate. Well, what when you create and you've created a lot of a lot of new drinks and, mm-hmm. and original Absolutely. drinks. When you are creating a new cocktail, or it could be a punch too. What uh, but a cocktail? What what do you look for? What flavors? What are you looking for to when you create something new? I mostly work with patterns. You know, there are a few great simple hmm. patterns that cocktails fall into. And uh, you can do variation, run variations on those if you have interesting products to work with and interesting flavor combinations. Uh, one of my the, the recent ones I've been enjoying uh, is uh, uh, a pattern is one part each of 
citrus juice, uh, liqueur, and nothing too creamy or, you know, weird, just sort of the old line liqueurs. Uh, so one part citrus, one part liqueur, one part Aperol, the Italian yes. aperitif. Very sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but very, bit, very, bitter, but very delicious. low proof though. You know, yeah, also it's only eleven yeah. percent alcohol, yeah. so it's it's pre- it's pretty it's pretty gentle. So uh, one part each of those, and then three parts of of liquor, and you shake that up, and and uh, the Aperol sort of bridges between the sweetness and of of the liqueur and the sourness of the uh, of the. Uh, of the citrus juice and you get a very nice integrated cocktail 90% of the time or 80% of the time. And what do you call that? It it depends. Yeah. It depends on what ingredients you put in. <laughs> I mean, that's how, you know, the 19th century, you look at the great drinks, the martini and the Manhattan are, I mean, really, are essentially are, twins. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but there were, the thing is, is that there are, that when the cocktail, when the cocktail first came to mm-hmm. be, I mean, they had some. They were pretty good combinations. Kind oh, yeah. of hard to oh, improve yeah. on those oh, yeah. in, in certain ways. You no, know, you take the the original pattern of the um, of the uh, Manhattan was maybe two parts of uh, of uh, liquor, one part uh, sweet wine, you know, fortified wine, or mm-hmm. uh, a little spoonful of liqueur. The original Manhattans had a splash of maraschino in them mm. sometimes, or a splash of curacao, and a couple dashes of bitters, and you make you start making substitutions. It's very easy. Interesting. You know, yeah. for instead of uh, vermouth, I'll try sherry or port or Madeira or something like uh, like Aperol. You know, oh, a Madeira. Uh, Madeira's an. Oh, Madeira's underused in cocktails. Yeah. It's very. It, well, it's nice underused in general. Today, in general, it's, it used to be you know a very common thing, even in finishing sauces. As yeah. Well. Oh, and I know. We don't I, use it that much. No, it, it it works wonderfully with the more subtle spirits. I like uh, I like to combine it with Irish whiskey. It just works fantastically well because hmm. Irish whiskey gets overwhelmed if you if you mix it with with other things usually. Yeah. So it's very nice. That's so it, it's it's fun to you you get as long as you establish a few s- simple patterns like that, you can play around endlessly. And then you know then there's some drinks that just come out of nowhere, and you're just uh, say I I just found this. This looks great. Let me. Mix it with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The thing is, is to have a little tape recorder or something to write it yeah, down. Yeah, I always write down my what recipes. Did I just do? I know. I always, I always write them down. If they're anywhere even close to palatable, I have a little notebook and I write it down and then I revisit them every few months. Uh, I, dishes I've made, food, yeah, it happens yeah, the same thing with yeah. food. People say, oh, what was the recipe for that? And I go, I, oh, I didn't write it down. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're cooking improvisationally, you know, <laughs> you, you really need that, so that, that, that record there. Well, see, the problem is I'm probably drinking along with it. And that's, well, that's, <laughs> that's a problem too. Yeah. Well, I, I congratulate you on this book well, first also so i want to also um comment on the the wonderful photographs the art of william hogarth uh, hogarth i would not have known if it weren't for your books and your um oh my goodness william and hogarth are, and these are your collection this is your uh, some of it is, no, of it, some right? of, a lot of it is from the british museum actually i had to go over there and 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 uh look through uh their collection and get them to scan some things and it was a, it was a very fun little research thing well, the their picture, collection is utterly stupendous i mean the picture on on the cover is is <laughs> both um educational and hilarious <laughs> well so. uh, yeah it, 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 it's a, a hogarth engraving called a uh uh, modern Midnight Conversation or Midnight Modern Conversation. I can never remember the, which order he put those two in. It's funny. And uh, it shows a, a pack of uh, 
bewigged, uh, par- you know, periwigged uh, gents sitting around a huge bowl of punch in various in various degrees of uh, utter inebriation. Uh, inebriation, definitely. And, and the bowl the, is still flowing. I might yeah. add. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is, actually, the uh, that engraving immediately it came out in 1730, and it was immediately painted on punch bowls. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> Which I would kill for one of those. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I'll bet. You know, yeah. those are those are those are uh, you know ten thousand pound antiques now. Wow. Yeah. So uh, what can you do? That's right. Well, if if there's a punch being served that was mixed by you, I would definitely not walk by the punch bowl. I would well, definitely so taste the, the punch from that punch <laughs> well, bowl. Well, you'd find me there, too. <laughs> and as always, it was a pleasure to have you with me. It was me. a pleasure to and be here. And I learned so much from this book and uh, and always learn a lot from you. And and I thank you very much for sharing with us. Well, thank you so much. This and is super I pleasant. <laughs> thank our listeners for tuning in. Again, I'm Linda Palaccio. This has been A Taste of the Past. 